How do you like that, Eastern Conference? How do you like that, East Coast bias? Prime time, Phoenix Suns, 4.30 on the Pacific Coast, 7.30 back, back East. Your wheelhouse, you'll actually watch this game, number one team in the East, number one team in the West. And the Phoenix Suns, wax them. Wax them, Matthew. Wax them. Wax them. Brazilian style, right? Yes. The Brazilian wax. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, this game was blacked out. We are just talking about, and I was like, ooh, I was excited to watch on ESPN. Like, I always am. Blacked out. Had to do the had to go to Bally Sports, but I'm excited to enjoy this kick-ass game with EJ uh, today. It was just, man, just a, just a fucking great game. Fucking Dude. Just really great game today. Well, and, and you make a valid point. This game was blacked out locally on ESPN for Arizona residents. Uh, I know this because I called my dad before the game to let him know the, the date and the time and the channel. And yeah. he called me once it started and goes, John, I can't get the game. He has Dish Network. He doesn't have Bally Sports Arizona. And ESPN being blacked out, he didn't have an opportunity to watch this game. I'm out of town. I'm in Reno. So I got to watch the ESPN broadcast. Matthew, you got the Bally Sports broadcast. So we can kind of share some of the nuances that we had and heard from this game from the respective announcers. For those of you who did get to see this game on ESPN, you were treated to Dave Pash, who's local from Arizona, and J.J. Redick calling the game. It was a fantastic broadcast, probably my favorite duo, because they don't trash the Suns. They celebrate the Suns. They recognize that this team, after this win, has an eight-and-a-half game lead over any team in the NBA. That's ridiculous, Matthew. If any other team <laughs> yeah. had an eight-and-a-half game lead with 16 games left, that's all they would talk about. Not the national media. But when you do things like this, when you have an Eastern road trip that includes a game at Madison Square Garden that was unbelievably dramatic, you play the Milwaukee Bucks without three of your primary players in Cameron Johnson, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker, and you take them to the brink before they ultimately win the game, and then you go to South Beach and you wax them, you can't help but give them some respect. We'll see what actually happens. And again, who cares what the national media says, but the the Phoenix Suns have done everything right, closing this road trip 2-1 and one, and, uh, and doing so in a, a spectacular fashion. Yeah, and honestly, it's a blessing and a curse. I feel like having that lead, um, just because we'll talk about probably after the next few games as they lock up that that first seed, maybe the next five games they can lock it up. It's gonna be like, all right, do we rest these guys? And you know, having a great team, it's it's awesome. It's the best thing in the world, right next to having your first child. But also, you have to worry about you know resting these guys. How do you do it right? It's always like the last week in the NFL, right? When yes. Week seventeen, or now it's week eighteen. Where it's like, do you rest your guys or not? Oh, how does that play into the playoff game next week? Now we got to start talking about that pretty soon, but not right now. Let's just enjoy this win. Exactly, enjoy this win, and we can talk about that a little bit later. The strategy in which we think, because again, that's fun. The fun part about these conversations. And Jay Schneck in the chat says, "Better than Skyler? How dare you!" I never said such a thing. Never said that. Never said such a thing. So Close. welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Suns Jam Session podcast. I'm John, and I'm super happy to be back for a full show with you. He's Matthew, and this is the Suns Jam Session podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you are listening to this podcast. If you happen to be watching along live 
on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, head over to the YouTube page, hit the thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button. And if you hit the little Nell, Nell, Nell notification, it'll let you know when we go live, which is after every Phoenix Suns game and sometimes other times as well. So it's always good to have that, that Nell notification clicked. Uh, make sure you should follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. Follow me at Darth Voida on Twitter, and you can follow Matthew. At Matthew, let's see. And I'll tell you, listen, if you follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida, you'll get into some interesting conversations. Uh, I'll post some things here and then, or here, here and again, and sometimes the comments go crazy. Like, I posted something yeah. today. Did, I don't know if you saw that I one. I knew we were going to talk about it, so I have, a, <laughs> I have some... Some things I needed to say about Twitter. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, we do have a Twitter take segment. We'll do that at the end, Matthew. Please cool. remind me if I don't remember. Uh, but I'm going to be popping open a Black Cherry White Claw. Mm. Grabbed it down here at the lobby at the courtyard in Reno. Thought I'd go, uh, yeah, celebratory White Claw. If, if there ain't no laws. Uh, when you drink a claws, <laughs> and that's what I'm going to do. Matthew, what kind of water do you have tonight? Is it tap water or is it distilled? Oh. Never tap water. I am humbled by a glass of water tonight. So thank on, you for popping one up for me. Hold that back up. There's that yeah. Aaron Baines on that it's cup. Aaron Baines. That's Aaron dope, Baines. man. Mister, uh, what nine three pointers in a game? Yes, nine three pointers yeah. in a game. So pop them if you got them, Suns fans. Let's celebrate our fifty third victory. Let's talk about it. Ain't no law. Phoenix Suns continue to surprise and delight. Whenever you say they can't do something, they do. I had to do the recap for Bright Side of the Sun. And as I noted, or I'm not, I'm sorry, not the recap, uh, the preview for brightsideofthesun.com. And I noted in that preview that everything about this game said the Phoenix Suns should lose. Second night of a back-to-back on the road against the number one team, in uh, the Eastern Conference, a great defensive team. We're hampered, we're injured, yada, yada, yada. But in my final prediction, I said, the Suns will still win because that's what the, the Phoenix Suns do is they punch the narrative in the face and that's what they've been doing all season. Now, part of that is because they had the return of one Devin Armani Booker, which Matthew brings me to my first question of the podcast. Matthew. I got to ask. Matthew, I've got to ask. Devin Booker didn't have to play this game, but he did. Does that to you personify who and what this team is about? Yeah, what did he say? He said uh, after the the game, the post-game interview with J.J. Redick, you told me he was talking about he was playing video games and relaxing. I could just see him sitting there with the controller be like, oh, I'm, I'm negative. Let's go. Just flipping the controller and hopping on the plane, traveling across country, right, for his team because he knows it's a must win. The team just played the night before. He can help energize that team with him coming back. I mean, playing without him for that long, those guys get lonely. They probably miss him so much. So for him just to walk through those doors into the locker room, you know that gave him the energy they needed for tonight. And it just shows, yeah, the, the way this team is and how they just, they're there for each other. You know, you see around the league, a lot of players that just really sit out. They sit out when they don't feel like playing, when they don't want to play. Hey, I'm going to play the next game after 
we play the Sixers and I'll come back and play. That might be Ben Simmons. There's other players around the league that do the same thing. So Booker is just, he's always ready to go. The only thing to keep him out is, of course, COVID and an injury. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he 100% personifies what this team is about. You know, like you said, Matthew, there's some players who definitely could have just said, you know what, other side of the country, I'm just going to sit at home tonight. I'm just going to relax. I'm going to give myself a little bit more rest, knowing that this team plays again in uh, against Toronto at home on Friday. So why would I hop on a plane and get out to South Beach? Well, mm-hmm. it's because that's who and what this team is. In every sense of the word, they're selfless. You don't have any Kawhi Leonard's on this team. You don't have any load management LeBron James minutes on this team. You have a team that is full of players who... The only way that they can get their fix, if you will, is by playing basketball together. And that's what, again, finding out that news, Flex broke it yesterday that uh, Devin Booker most likely would be joining the team. Dwayne Rankin and Arizona Central confirmed it. And you're like, of course, of course he would go out to the East Coast for one game to help his team. And you're right. (laughs) Walking into that locker room, you know that his team was like, let's go. Let's get behind this guy. And let's go get another victory because as Devin Booker said in the post-game interview we, with ESPN, when they asked him, they said, what did Coach Monty say to you guys to get you motivated, to get you up for this game? And Devin Booker, without hesitation, said he didn't have to tell us anything. This team came into our house and whooped our ass. So you don't have to tell anything to us. This game is so locked in or this, this team, I'm sorry, is so locked in, is so focused on the game of basketball, takes everything personal. It's like a team that is the personification of like Michael Jordan in the last dance, you know, and, and they took that personally. They take everything personally and they use it as a yeah. motivating factor to get them up for a game. Even when they could have mailed this one in, there's no incentive to win this game. They're up eight, but prior to the game, they're up eight games on, Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, they don't need a win. They're going to lock up the number one seed. This game meant a lot more to Miami than it did to Phoenix, yet Phoenix still dominated. Yeah, can we talk about Book a little bit because of... Do you want to drop a segment? Yeah, yeah. It's been a while, you know, it's been like a week. Big Dick Booker. Okay, I had to fix my camera because my little Quicksilver thing's green and it picks up on the green screen. Uh, so anyways, uh, yeah, so Book, I mean, you're talking about how, you know, the Miami Heat, they they went to go destroy the Suns in, in Phoenix and they wanted a little bit of payback. Um, tonight, heading into the fourth quarter, I don't know if you saw where Booker was coming out of the game the last 36 seconds and he was leaving, heading to the bench and there's some guys right there yelling at him. I mean, this happens of course all of the NBA, but this one just stuck out just because the camera had, you know, our eyes on them walking past and you could just see a booker just like, "Hmm, okay, interesting." The bench comes in, they do the best they can. 36 seconds left. Booker does come back in the game. It's a 5-point turnaround from him setting up Mikel Bridges on a great play. He basically called the inbound play and then after that hits a big 3. So yes. that did remind me of the whole Michael Jordan doc. It's like, don't like this guy on. This guy's already pumped up. He's back, ready to play. And he wants to he wants to kill Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero, they're going back and forth all game long. 
Like that's the stuff that you love to see and him getting yelled at by the fans that close up. I knew when he came back in, he was ready to kill this team. And that's why he probably stayed in even longer because he was heat checking. They didn't care. They wanted to get that point total, the lead up to 40 if they could. And of course they couldn't, but that's the way they came into this game, man. That's how they, they just rode that mentality. This, the way that Devin Booker is not saying he's Michael Jordan, but he takes no. those things personally and yes. he uses that on the court. And he and the entire team does it. That's the great thing. If you go back and you watch the last dance and you you analyze those Bulls teams, it was Jordan who was the driving force, who took everything personally and because of his greatness could get the rest of the team up. Now, I'm not saying that this entire team collectively is Michael Jordan, but they have that kind of mentality, a killer's mentality. They've proven that through their performance in clutch time minutes and the way that they take everything personally whether it's remembering that the Miami Heat waxed them in Phoenix earlier in the season, or if it is fans heckling them on the sideline, they use whatever conduits they can to get themselves locked in, focused, and perform the way that they do. But Devin Booker coming back from health and safety protocols ended the evening with 23 total points. He was 7 for 12 from the field, so unbelievably efficient. He had 9 assists. And eight total rebounds. So as Crazy Luigi, one of our uh, loyal jamsters who watches along live on YouTube, says in the chat, another near triple-double for Big Dick Booker. I mean, it was, in every sense of the word, a team victory. Now, granted, this game did not necessarily start as as great as it ended. Am I right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was – I forget what the score was when the first timeout was called. But all I do remember, because I was still at work, and I had mm-hmm. I had the I put the game up on the big screen, and I you know I, I told everyone who was in there I'm like we're watching the Suns, half of them don't know where they're at half of the time. <laughs> they're like the, yeah, they're like the Suns. I'm like I'm, you guys know I'm from Phoenix. We're watching the Suns, and after they took that first time out, I had my laptop in another room. I went in there real quick, looked at the box score. And I saw Duncan Robinson was four for four. Uh, with mm-hmm. 12 points, he was four for four from deep with 12 points. It was like 25 to 15 or something. I don't know what it was. I don't recall. Uh, but from that point on, the Phoenix Suns shut them down. And it yeah. was like they came out. It was like a boxing match, right? They came out. They threw a haymaker. It, you know, it, it stunned the Suns. They took a step back. And then they just went full on uh, Mike Tyson mode, mm-hmm. just punching going crazy for the rest of the game and stopped them what did you see in the first quarter quarter and what adjustments do you think the suns made that allowed them to be successful man we are the best podcasters right (laughs) you missed the first quarter you asked me about my first quarter analysis i don't really have one because i walked in the door when there's a minute left and what i saw on the screen though john was the game yeah, yeah, no, no, we left in the first quarter. Okay, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah, in the first quarter, I tried my heart. Dude, traffic right now, it sucks. All right, leaving at five, so um, yeah. I'm trying to my best. And honestly, my radio doesn't work in my car either. But who cares? Let's talk about the game. So DeAndre Ayton is what I saw on the screen. The first thing when I walk in is his big, beautiful face, excited, you know, just, just growling because he has a tip in uh, he can't be boxed out he's just having a hell of a first quarter and correct me if i'm wrong jamsters but i believe he had 11 points in the first quarter so i'm like oh here we go ever since that new york game he has been a nine he has been rolling dude so i just i was like okay he's playing good they came back into the game i know that they were down i think there was like 11 to 2 run or something that the miami heat had so they came back from that and ever since then 
they really just they put the pressure on the heat the rest of the game the suns never really let up like you thought it was going to probably be game of runs but the suns hung in there till halftime and then they started to blow them out in the second half but it wasn't like i thought it was be like oh 10 10 point lead by by the heat and then 10 point lead from the suns it would be called back and forth back and forth but it wasn't that the Suns just like we're like all right we're done messing around. Da's starting to play aggressive. He was basically doing whatever the hell he wanted down on the block. He had the mismatches and all that. So they rode off of that. And basically, what you saw was the Suns just handling business in Miami, just to make up for the last effort that you know Miami came into here and blew mm-hmm. us out. That just I think that kind of got into the back of their mind into the second quarter. So that's when they just kind of took care of business, man. Is your laundry done? Yeah, I knew that was going to go off. You know, I thought it was only for the dryer, but I guess it's my washer, too. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what, what I noticed was a dedication to the defensive end in this game. And after that first initial run by Miami, that's essentially what happened. Duncan Robinson was coming off of curl screens and finding himself wide open for three-point shots. And that's why he started the game four for four, all of which were from deep. For the remainder of the game, he shot three for 11 from the field and ended up with only a total of 22 points. So they held him to only 10 more points for the remainder of the game after the first six minutes he had 12. I think that was a big adjustment for the Phoenix Suns. I think that they recognized, okay, Duncan Robinson's in a groove. He's the guy that we need to kind of take out of this game uh, because that's what they do. The Miami Heat are, from from a percentage standpoint, the best three-point shooting team in the NBA. Uh, tonight, they only shot 30%. They typically shoot about, I think, 36.5%, which, again, as I mentioned, is the best in the NBA. They also take only the 14th most three-point attempts in the league. So they're a team that is very deadly from three because of the high percentage, coupled with the fact that they don't take a ton of them relative to the le- to the rest of the league. So when they do take those shots, you got to make sure that you know, you're know you defending that perimeter. And the Phoenix Suns did had poor perimeter defense in the beginning, but they switched it right away and they negated them from uh, being effective after that. Because you look at that first quarter, five for 11 from downtown for the Miami Heat. If you look at the rest of the game, they were five for 22. So that shows you the adjustment that Monty and the team made after the first time out in the first quarter. The other thing, and this is what's so funny about this Phoenix Suns team, man, is what's the number one criticism the Phoenix Suns have faced on this road trip, do you think? Rebounding and free throws, Rebounding, bingo. Rebounding and free throws, right? We can't box anybody out. We're getting dominated on the boards. Uh, We've done it too. We've literally said DeAndre Ayton uh, played horribly in that game against the Knicks because he went for eight and three and wasn't doing anything effective on the rebounds. Or, and on the glass. And he noted that yeah. as well. He said that as well. He said, I need to be more intense on the glass. We saw much better performance from DeAndre Ayton on the block in the game against Milwaukee. And then tonight, as a team, the Phoenix Suns out-rebounded the Miami Heat 55-38. to And on the offensive glass, 14-6. to If you look at the second chance points, the Phoenix Suns had a total of 14 the Miami Heat didn't get their first second chance points until four minutes and 54 seconds left in the fourth quarter. So, you know, Matthew, because we've done this for years, we've sat back and we've analyzed and at times criticized the Phoenix Suns. What's crazy about this team this season 
is anytime you have a complaint, anytime you have a critique, and anytime you have a criticism of the Phoenix Suns team, it's almost as if they take that feedback and just turn the narrative on that feedback because they, again, have completely switched it around to what was hurting them in the Knicks game, a game they won. They have now turned it into a strength of theirs against a team which they necessarily shouldn't have done that against. Yeah, and I think that's a lot to go with uh, us. I mean, if they're listening, which they're not. But what what it really tells you is how Monty's really coaching this team. Um, frustrating thing for us in the past, of course, it's a young team, and we're trying to build on that. We try to see. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> we, we're trying to see uh, how these players will develop in the past, and you know, there's critiques there and there, but you can only do so much and only ask for so much as they are growing. Uh, the way the only thing with the rebounding is. I knew it was all effort because you can just see when DA makes the effort, he is basically the best center in the game defensively and on the boards. And like tonight, what you really saw is like, even in the, in the second half, when it started, the Suns were like on that 21 to eight run. Uh, they started out like a really high, I think it was like 10 to two run. Cameron Payne hit some threes and you know, they can't really sustain that for so long, of course, against this heat team. But what they did when they stopped, when they, when the heat called a timeout and the Suns actually, started kind of missing some shots. You saw DA, you saw the Suns down there on the glass, offensive rebounds, grabbing the boards when they needed to. Like they were just doing the little things to really keep them, keep that lead up to like 10 to 14 points. Mm-hmm. It, you know, they didn't rely too much on miss, made or missed shots. And the effort that they put on the glass is the reason I think they kind of sustained that lead. And it goes to the point to where when we talk about DA, and how he leads his team defensively and how he leads his team on the rebounding class. He even said after the, the Bucks game, he needs to rebound better. So that just shows you, man, he knows Monty knows they're looking at that. I mean, it's basically, it has to be just a talk between the two, like, Hey, DA, just try, just try harder. Right. Let's mm-hmm. see. How can we get you prepared for these games mentally? What can we get you to, what can we say to you to make you a little bit more motivated? You know what I mean? It's not like these guys, not every guy in the NBA goes out there and they just love the game. They're motivated at all times, like a Devin Booker or Chris Paul. Aiden's probably just not one of those guys that he just needs something to keep him motivated. So whatever they did to help him get that motivation is really the reason why he has that effort now and why they're rebounding so much better and why these le- these leads are sticking and why they can stick with teams to the very end. I mean, you saw it in the Milwaukee game, he had a little bit of it, but then it just, in the last two games, he's looked so much better. And I'm, there's something that they told him. There's something that they worked on to really get him back into the games. We're just, just by pure effort. I feel like. Watch. No, I'm asking you that take. You're, you, no, you no, you're, you're hundred <laughs> percent no, right. <laughs> You're all waiting to do the drop. <laughs> but he's talking about eight and I want to click the button. I want to click it. Uh, no, I, you're, you're right. And again, this goes back to the conversation we consistently have about DA. It's, it's frustrating that you have to have that conversation with DA. It's frustrating that you have to put a carrot in front of him for him to follow and to be motivated by. He's a former number one pick. I mean, you shouldn't have to. He should feed off the intensity of his fellow players. And that, again, is the consistent frustrating part about da now that being said when he is motivated and he does play like this like he has now for three consecutive games after that Knicks game something got sparked somebody said something to him and he has turned into a much better version of himself uh he is playing the way that we expect him to play 
29, almost, almost 30 minutes tonight, nine for 10 from the field, 10 rebounds, 19 points. That's, those are DA numbers. Again, mm-hmm. would we love to see DA pull off Joel Embiid numbers? Absolutely. But he's not Joel Embiid. You know, one of our loyal listeners uh, and one of our elite jamsters, reminder, if you want to become an elite jamster, click the join button or follow the, the link in the description. Uh, Jay Schneck, you know, he pulled, he called it out a couple pods ago. You know, it's like we we want him to be and do some of the things that like Elijah Wan and Ewing and, and Robinson and Shaq have done. But ultimately, that's just not the player he is. But if we get this version of D.A., he is the perfect complimentary center and does all the things right on defense that really allow this team to be successful. Because tonight, the defense provided by D.A. anchoring a team that held the opposition to how many points? How many points did the Heat have in the second half? Quick math, because they only scored 19 in the third 22? and 16 in the fourth. So that's 35. Okay. This team, <laughs> this team scored 35 points yeah. in the second half at home. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that's because of yeah. the defensive effort port, uh, displayed by the Suns. Now, one of the questions that Dave Pash asked JJ Redick on the broadcast was, what are you more impressed with tonight? Uh, the Suns offense or the Suns defense. And JJ sat there for a second and he thought, and then he said the offense. He goes, the Heat are one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. And the Phoenix Suns, after taking that initial, you know, blow, came back and have been lights out. And then after he kind of talked about Mikel Bridges and how he's playing and yada, 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 he did say, he's like, but I'm not taking anything away from their defense as well. Because of the defensive effort they put forth, again, anchored by, by, uh, DeAndre Ayton. I mean, in all honesty, the, the matchup that you tuned in for tonight, in my opinion, was DeAndre Ayton versus Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo, he did a he he put forth a performance kind of like a shady DA performance. 17 points, five rebounds. Did not look great. Did not look no. spectacular. You know, turned the ball over four times. Uh, I think he had one block shot. You know, I mean, he wasn't everything that Bam Adebayo was hyped up to be. Conversely, DeAndre Ayton is the one who was focused in and said, you're not going to be a Bam tonight. Mm-hmm. And that's why I playing out in the East for the Heat, it's going to be so tough with Embiid and Giannis because yes. they just, they don't have, they have good defense, but when the size is there, it's tough and Bam struggled, but it's just DA, his presence in his feet. That is really the difference maker. Like when he has his feet moving and his presence is just around these guys to where he can like alternate shots, he can, or he can definitely alter. make a different alter shots. <laughs> alternate left hand, right hand. Yeah, alternate. All right, we'll um, go live in five minutes, Matthew. You five, four, three, two, one. All right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Here we go. So the way that he actually alters their shots is really the difference, and all it takes is for his movement, his feet, and how quick he is for a big man, whether it's on the perimeter or inside. Like he is the guy that makes a difference when that energy is there, right? And that's what I said even last pod. It's like the bigs that we're gonna go up against in the finals, or I'm sorry, even the playoffs in the finals. Th- those bigs, Aiden's the only one that can really stop him. He can do it as much as everyone loves Bam. And I even said less pod. It's like, who do you choose, Bam or Aiden? A lot of people talk about that. The yeah. way Bam's been playing this year, a lot of people choose Bam. But then when you get this Aiden, even if it's 19 to 10, Aiden, it doesn't matter. Everything else he does on the floor, just from his presence, makes a difference in the end. That's why we win by like 25, 24 points. It's because he's on the floor and he's putting in effort. I don't even care about his stats in the end. 19 and 10 is, that's, 
that's basic, but it doesn't matter because he does everything else so much better than a lot of these big men in the league. And Sylvia uh, Morrison in the chat says, JJ said that DA kicked the team's arse in the first time out for <laughs> not being aggressive enough. Go figure. The one guy who we complain, and I'm, I have yeah, plenty of looks. receipts out there, ladies and gentlemen. You all have to do is watch <clears> this <throat> podcast and snip some of it. I have my receipts. <laughs> I've called out Aiden when I feel like I should call out Aiden. Yeah. I've praised Aiden when I feel he's praised. I like to think that I'm right down the middle, and you know, I, I watch each game, and I pro- put forth the thoughts that I see. But you know, one of the things we always complain, he's not aggressive enough. Look, he is being the person who is calling out his team, which is fantastic. Uh, Low Suns says, DA is better. He always outplays him, and by him, he means Bam Adebayo head-to-head, which is true. Uh, this is the sixth game they've played against each other. DeAndre Ayton is 5-1 and one now against Bam Adebayo. And what was interesting is coming into this game, their head-to-head stats, DeAndre Ayton averaged 16.8 points against Bam Adebayo, whereas Bam Adebayo averaged 16.2. But the interesting thing is DA out-rebounds Bam Adebayo 12.4 to 8.8. So again, although Bam is uh, athletic and can score and is you know can be a problem for some teams, there's one team that does not have a problem with him, and there's one player who doesn't. And that's DeAndre Aiden. So uh, kudos to him for his efforts tonight. And kudos again, kind of just up and down the the lineup. You know, another guy who I thought played really well tonight uh, was our boy. The What'd you see from Mikael Bridges tonight, Matthew? Oh, he's fabulous. You know, eight points, eight rebounds, three assists in the first half. Um, those three assists, like keeping the ball alive, dribble, keeping the dribble alive in the paint, keeping his eyes up, dribbling around like Steve Nash, trying to find his guys, trying to find cutters. It seems like uh, the way Mikhail Bridges has played as of late, yeah, he still shoots the threes, but I feel like in the half-court offense, his first, like the first thought that goes into his head is to get to the rim now, right? Mm-hmm. So he's doing a lot of that. Of course, get to the rim, you know, make it work. I've always said that. But the way he's finding his teammates now, kind of like the way Cameron Johnson was before his uh, beautiful little baby behind got hurt. Mikhail it was Bridges his quad. The same way. Yeah, yeah, sorry. It was, yeah, it was his quad. Now I'm thinking about Cameron <laughs> Johnson. Damn it, dude. Now you got me down. Uh, but he's he's a legit, like, transition guy now, Mikhail, too. Like, not even just finishing at the rim, but just handling the ball. Like, he's doing so much with the ball now. It's so beautiful, you know, and we talked about how Chris Paul's out. I mean, do you even remember in this game that Chris Paul's on our team? No, this is the way it is with this team. I don't. I don't remember he is. Of course, I think about him once in a while, but it doesn't matter because we have a guy like Mikhail who could step up and like Cameron Johnson did in handling the ball. But Mikhail is a step ahead of Cameron Johnson right now in ball handling and finding his teammates. That's the way I feel like Cam will be next year. But Mikhail right now is doing that. And the way he started out the game just really kind of gave them the boost I think they needed. The three assists doesn't seem like too much. That's a lot for Mikhail, I feel like. And the eight yeah. rebounds, helping rebound, he was boxing his ass off all game. Even when it seemed like it didn't matter. Like the Suns might get the rebound. There was just no one else down there but one Miami Heat. Mikhail made sure to get his butt on that guy to box him out. That's how important it is now to get those rebounds because everybody was noticing. He's like, I'm going to help my man, D.A., get these boards, no matter what I have to do, no much, no matter how much effort I have to put into it. And his game tonight, just a legit one of the best games I feel like all year long. Now, again, he ended with 21 total points on 9 of 13 shooting, had 9 total rebounds, and as you mentioned, 3 assists, all of, came, all of which came early. But mm-hmm. you're right. 
the playmaking of Mikhail Bridges is something that we're starting to see grow. And his, and that comes with ball handling. The other thing that I really enjoy is his uh, aggressiveness in transition. He's really started to realize something that we talked about, God, two years ago on the pod, was you'd see these moments when Mikhail Bridges would drive to the basket and go to put a layup up and realize that his the, the distance between his hand and the ball and the defender coming in, because he's so long, is like two feet. And he's learned that in transition, he has a better mm-hmm. opportunity to get those easy layups, and that's something that he focuses on now. He almost cherry picks because when he has to play against the opposing team's guard, if he's going against a Duncan Robinson or a Tyler Hero especially, and that's where you saw it tonight, is that Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson typically take threes. So when that happens, you go up defensively for the block, and then the moment that you your feet land, you take off sprinting down the court. So if there's a rebound, it's two quick outlet passes, and it's a it's an easy layup. So it's something that you're, you're seeing more and more from Mikhail Bridges. And again, it's a nice little kind of quick turnaround. A missed three turns into two points the other way instantly. That's a five-point turnaround every time it happens. Uh, but you're right. Mikhail, his slashing, his playmaking, all of these things are definitely continuing to develop and ultimately are going to allow this team to be just damn near unstoppable. Damn near unstoppable. So... Um, do you think that, uh, well, real quick, uh, shout out to crazy Luigi in the chat. He goes, did you guys mention that we're confirmed for the playoffs tonight? No, we didn't crazy Luigi, but yes, the Phoenix suns have officially are are going to the playoffs. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) let's go. Celebrate. Here we go. Rest over. Who cares about seating, right? Yes. Rest them all. Who cares? It's over No, But, uh, you know, I, I knew that I think it was prior to the all-star break. They clinched a play, a play in spot. The worst they could yeah. finish was like 10. And now we are officially going to the playoffs. Uh, don't, don't take light of that. Suns fans. No, don't. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of years we didn't make the playoffs. So knowing that we have done so with a total of what 60 was that 66 games played. I think it's what we're at now. Mm-hmm. 65, something like that. Sure. So uh, as Nicholas Tan says, we going back. We're going back to the playoffs. So yeah, and also I was listening to No Dunks today, and they were talking about the last time that a number one or number two seed in the West did not go to the finals, and that was actually the the, the Dallas Mavericks in 2011. So the one and two seed is a big deal out here out West, just because of the competition. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, looking at the Miami Heat, Tyler Hero. Likes to show up and show out whenever Devin Booker's in town. Yeah. Matthew, what'd you see from him as he posted seven for 20 from the field, two for nine from deep, 17 total points, and a game worst negative 26 in the plus minus? Man, he went up against Big Brother tonight, right? Yeah. The way he was playing, like he had. He had the bad side of Book tonight. I think Book goes on his ear all game. I know Hero ended the first half where he had that lay-in, and he kind of was speaking to Book on the way back to the locker rooms too. So it was never it was never ending really between those two. Um, so when you're doing that against Book, and especially the way Book is now, where he's at in his career, you don't want to do that. Like Book only had what like four points in the three points or something in the first half, something crazy. He only made like two shots. Devin Booker so, had eight points in the first half. 
Eight points in the first half. Uh, we'll yeah. just say two. Sounds a lot okay. better. Okay, I like it. And he, I like it. And he finished with forty-five tonight. So that's what <laughs> that's what Tyler <laughs> that's what Tyler Hero did to Devin. Twenty-three, Murphy. folks. Twenty-three. Matt's yeah, lying. twenty-three points. Yeah, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Hero. I mean, it seemed like one of those games too with Jimmy Butler out. That Hero, you know, he's had a great year. Um, he probably wanted to take this game over. He wanted to be the guy to help lead the Miami Heat to a win. I uh, didn't. It just didn't go in his favor tonight. The Suns had too much on their side tonight with the energy and from book basically just coming in from the West coast flying all the way out to the East coast for this game. It's hard to match that when you're Tyler hero, it's a lot on his shoulders right now. He's going to be the sixth man of the year, but he's not on books level yet. It's funny. JJ Reddick was talking about how he follows Tyler, Tyler hero on Instagram. And he's like, you could see when he takes his shirt off, Oh, he's really molded his body. Like, whoa, JJ. <laughs> That's why we were talking about that last pod, like how he's so popular on his Instagram. You know what I mean? I think it's <laughs> yeah. the big the big booties he has on there, and I guess his shirtless stuff too. Oh, did you see Booker without his shirt? There's some there's yeah, some picture of him going around like damn dude. There's some stuff so going around on Twitter. That. That's my new goal. So yeah, if it happens, I'll I'll send out a pic, everybody. Right? <laughs> okay. When you get down to Devin Booker's cut, uh, you will do the pod with your shirt off. No Frank the Tank. I'm okay. talking shirt off sound good all right shirt off standing up okay <laughs> just my jaws how do i transition out of this one all i can say is sham wow there you go jamsters you got the it sham wow drop is officially back it wasn't the greatest performance for landry shama tonight three for nine from the field only eight points only had one assist uh, he returned to the role of bench player, of reserve player. Uh, but that being said, I think that this last four to five game stretch for him has been the best as a member of the Phoenix Suns. Granted, the last four games he started. And if you look at his splits this year, he averages at a start as a starter about 11 points a game, whereas a reserve, it's about 6.8. But you look at what he did prior to these last four games, uh, five games, the last five games, and he was averaging about seven points a game. In the last five games, he's averaging about 12 and a half. So he's really starting to find his rhythm. I think that the opportunity for him to uh, get those starting minutes that Devin Booker vacated allowed him to find some consistency and most importantly, grow confidence. Again, this team is already great. But if you get Cham Wow going crazy from beyond the arc and have Cameron Johnson come back and do the same, this team becomes damn near unstoppable. If you have two flamethrowers coming in off the bench, dropping threes like like Elvis Presley used to drop albums, am I right, hipsters? <laughs> you know, once every six months, all the time, then you are un you're unstoppable because the offense just doesn't stop. So I I am I was very impressed with his game last night. I was impressed with the way that he had played again tonight. Uh, Matthew, do you think I'm right for allowing him to have his drop back? You are, and I'm glad you did it tonight. And it wasn't really based on stats. I mean, uh, someone just threw it up in the uh, chat. You know, the third uh, highest plus minus. Yeah, there you go. Sylvia Morrison says Shamit still had the third highest plus minus at 20 plus 20. Uh, you know, if you believe in that stat, fine, whatever. But it has something to do with really, I think, Shamit being on the floor and just actually being so involved to where you just don't notice him as a, as a sore thumb. I said it last 
pod where he's just he's blended in now to the offense whether he's coming off the bench whether he's not he's just he's kind of like um i guess the way like his stats were not good tonight right the eight points but just the way he is on the court the way that he presents himself like a deandre and the energy he puts out there the confidence he has that's all I care about because everything else comes together. It really does. It comes together as the Suns win. It doesn't really unfold to something that's, you know, uh, 20 points for him, like six of six shooting from downtown. No, he just helps in all trans- He did get double stuff tonight, though. In one possession, yeah. he got the doubled stuff. So, you know, when I was that thinking happened, about when I saw that, I'm like, should I play the, the drop tonight? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was wondering, too. I was like, you is know. this going to be a night where actually where John plays that just because of the double stuff. And then he got stuffed again later on. Um, so I'm like, Oh, he's not going to do the drop now. I'm <laughs> over here, like hunched over, like worried about Shamit, but I love what I'm seeing, man. It just, he's, he's blended right into this offense defensively. So overlooked. I feel like we do talk about it, but mm-hmm. his, his, or his defense, it's killer, man. He's, he's basically played himself into one of the better defenders. And now coming off the bench, him and Cameron Johnson, and whenever that does happen, that's going to be really fun to watch defensively. And he's kind of getting the calls to go his way now. I feel like he always struggled in the beginning of the year to where calls were not going his way. He was getting a lot of ticky-tack call fouls. Some of it were his fault. They Obviously, he would slap some people on the arms. He would just basically bulldoze some people over. But now he's like he's taking accountability for where he is on defense. He's maneuvering his body in a way to where he can maneuver around defenders and mm-hmm. just are the offensive players and not get the fouls. So I think that that's something that's really impressive for him, man, and has to be talked about. Yeah, it's a lot of the off the ball stuff that Landry Shamit. Again, I remember earlier in the season I had a bet on DraftKings where it literally was like I, I forget what it was. It was like Landry Shamit makes two threes, and or. It, Something along those lines. But all I know is in that game, I was focused, hyper-focused on Landry yeah. Sham and his performance. And all he did was run to the corner and do nothing. And I'm like, this is a player who lacks confidence. He's disengaged. And I just so happened to be cued into that because I needed him to perform to help my wallet out. And he didn't help my wallet <laughs> out. And, and so began the seed that began to grow into the hate tree of Landry Shamit. Now, granted, I'm not going to sit here and say that Landry Shamit's the best player in the world and he's the best pickup and he's worth every cent of that four-year, $45 billion contract. I'm not there yet. Again, I need to see consistency. But I did say that Landry would earn his his drop back if I felt he had five consecutive games in which he performed to my expectations. Why? Because I'm one of the podcast hosts and I'm the only one who has controlled the drops. So therefore, it's based on my expectations. I thought the way that he played his four starts with Devin Booker gone uh, was acceptable. Was it out of this world amazing? No. But his last game, the game last night against the Magic, where he scored 21 points and was a key cog in that victory, definitely put him back on the nice list. And his performance again today, as you mentioned, Matthew, not overwhelming, not spectacular, but off the ball, Focused on defense, he was part of the team that, again, only allowed 35 points in the second half. So all these little things – and then again, to your point, because you're the body language guy. His body language is so much better, man. It's not him hanging his head. It's not him doing a quick shot, you know, and automatically just running back because he knows he missed it. You know, it's just like he's he's focused, he's engaged, and that's what you want from Landry Shamit. Because, again, if Landry Shamit hits his stride come playoff time, like, good luck, NBA. Because the offense just ain't going to stop, and he and we play defense. 
I know. And before it looked like Sham was kind of walking to someone's house and like, oh, should I take my shoes off? Should I yes. at the front door? Unsure. That's what he looked like all the time. Very unsure what to do when he walks into someone's house. Absolutely. I could, couldn't say I could agree more. He's just got that uneasiness about it. <laughs> Double O McGee. I just wanted to give a shout out tonight to JaVale McGee yes. for the effort he had. Uh, 11 total points, but more importantly, 15 total rebounds, seven on the offensive end. Another guy who held the uh, who held Bam Adebayo at bay and uh, Dwayne Dedman. Remember Dwayne Dedman? Yeah, yeah. I think I wanted him <laughs> at one point. I he don't the know, Bulls, right? Back in the Jordan days? Seems yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Seems like he's been around for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I think so. He, he was on uh, the Jerry West Lakers teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, okay, so um, the way, oh my, tonight, dude, McGee made me laugh like a little girl. Like, I, I usually do once in a while, you know, when something really gets me giggly. But McGee tonight, man, like he, his little jerk shot, Yes. <laughs> Nothing but net. Yes. Man. That's when you know you're gonna win the game, dude. If he's that's making when the you know you're gonna win away, like yeah. get out of here. Him and Crowder, if they're making if they're if they're funny on the court, they're pulling out some shenanigans on the sidelines or anything, like you know that someone's gonna win that game. I mean they won every game this year, basically, but that turnaround, dude, that's just that that's worth the drop because of how well he pulled that off. Nothing but net. It looked just like Dirk. And I love how he runs back down the court. Like, Oh yeah, I got that in my arsenal. What's yeah. what's up? What's I'll up pull, guys? I'll pull that out at any time. Just be ready. Yeah. For it. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we discussed it at nauseum, how there's games where you're going to love them and games where you're just going to go. What the fuck? I don't know if there's mm-hmm. any games that I've truly hated JaVale McGee. And that's the beauty of having him on the team. But this was just one of those games when he, he was put in a position to succeed much akin to Aiton and he did it. And again, that's what makes this team successful. And they're focused in on taking advantage of the opposition's weaknesses. And clearly with Miami, and as you mentioned it, it will be made known in the playoffs. They just don't have the size. Bam is amazing and athletic, but they don't have the size. They remind me of the Phoenix suns from last year where you have a a stellar, a stellar center, who is athletic, uh, obviously Bam is more offensively inclined, but not a lot of depth behind him. Whereas we have nothing but depth behind DeAndre Ayton. And when they perform the way they do, I mean, again, we, we've shown it in just the past like two weeks. Our second team unit could be a first team unit. you know. And again, that brings me to uh, another drop here, Matthew, that we mentioned a little bit earlier. Twitter take. You know, that's one of the things that I actually posted on Twitter today um, was when Sham Sharania made the <laughs> the announcement that after missing four g- games in COVID-19 protocols, Suns all-star Devin Booker will return tonight versus Miami. I simply mm-hmm. commented or comment commented. Meh, I commented. I commentated. I commented. My Atlanta. I replied. <laughs> the Suns were three and one in games without Devin Booker and CP3. This team is deep as hell. That's all I said because of reasons why yeah. we just talked about JaVale McGee, Landry Shamit, you know, Cam Johnson campaign, who we didn't even talk about, but had a great game tonight. And then Twitter just does its thing, man, and people just talk. So, so tell me, tell me your thoughts. What's your Twitter take that you were going to talk about? 
No, I saw your comment or I saw your reply and I saw that, you know, you had like a lot of retweets. You had, um, well, some likes and you had a bunch of comments under there. I'm like, do I even dare read what people were saying just from this little reply? I did. And you know why? Because it's super negative and I knew it would be. So I had to see what the hell they were ripping you up for, dude. They ripped you a new asshole, basically. They, no one for ripped basic- me anything. <laughs> for nothing, though. Like, no one- they- what do you mean? No one ripped me. No, they were like all over you for saying that what you said about the Suns and like how who we played it didn't matter all that shit. So right? essentially, well, essentially what happened, yeah. So you had a couple people who were like, well, it helped that they played the Knicks, Orlando, and Portland, right? And my response yeah. to that was simply, I'm like, well, had they lost, uh, if they, it, I said, wouldn't it have looked bad if they lost to those teams though, right? Mm-hmm. And then like I got a ton of likes on that, and then the guy who initially said that comment was like, yes. Uh, oh, okay. So I only look towards the negative part. Well, so that's the, my bad. You saw you saw the first uh, a negative one, and then like everything kind of beyond that was interesting. Okay, I thought they were the, wrong the worst thing though was Warriors fans showed up to the party. You know, mm. it's like you're having a night. Nice, like, you're having like a nice little party. It's a it's a chill kickback. You got a keg yeah. in the backyard. The TV's on. The game's kind of on in the background, and then somebody shows up, and they're just they've already had like a fifth of vodka. And they and, and and they're all they do want all they want to do is come in and talk politics. That's yes. a Warriors fan whenever they enter a party, because yes. that's exactly what happened to that tweet. Is it got hijacked by a warrior, a warrior fan who, to his credit, did comment and said, "Hey, I really like your podcast. I'm not being facetious. Essentially, like I think you guys Aww. do a good job." But he, he he was going on and on and going back and forth with other Suns fans about. You know, essentially started with I've never seen a ringless fan so blown away with itself than Phoenix, a a ringless Mm. fan base so blown away with itself than Phoenix. It's like and essentially my response is like, you're right. We should be upset when our team is winning. Like we should check with the boys. It's like, dude, we are deep as hell. Like we are winning Mm -hmm. games without our two all stars. Meanwhile, Golden State is down one all star and uh, they're just they can't win a game to save their life. But we're we're winning games without our all stars. But you're right. I guess I shouldn't be happy about that because. You know, we've never won a ring in our championship. It's like, again, that's what makes Twitter such a fickle, funny, weird place. Uh, I will say that I got a, I, I got a lot of love for my uh, my tweet where I, I impersonated Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> it's like the Phoenix Suns are are up eight and a half games after with 17 to go. Carry the hell on. Like, Did you get a lot of likes on that one? I didn't see. Yeah. Was I forget. it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. I got okay. I, I got uh, 649 likes. Damn, dude. 39 there you retweets. Go. There you go. John Let's doesn't go. play the game. Yes, that's <laughs> and and you're right. Suns Valley podcast. Uh, they're just jealous, which is 100 percent mm. true. Those no Warrior way. fans, they're 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 just they're jelly. The Warriors fans are kind of like new money, right? There's a difference between rich and wealthy, right? And and granted, now with with fan bases, we know that we've seen the dark side of every fan base anytime you do anything. Lakers are a great example. The Lakers are a team that have won, what, 17, 18 championships? I think it's 18 now. And they are always so defensive anytime you you say anything about their fan base. But Warriors fans are kind of like the new kid on the block. Like they've just started winning and all of a sudden they, they, can, they, they feel like it gives them the right to throw it in, in the face of anybody who goes against their conversation. Now, granted, I will say... Suns fans, we haven't we didn't show our best colors on Twitter during the playoffs last year. 
Uh, we got to be better than that. But that's Twitter and that's every yeah. fan base. So that was fun. I have to we say, are. our fan, yeah, I got a little out of hand, but it was fun. The Suns and Four guy, I know. <laughs> but it, it, we have the best fan. I think what we do is very unique. Sometimes it could be kind of trailer trashy, but I mean, <laughs> that's it, it is Arizona. <laughs> yeah. And uh, really quick, too, uh, what I was going to say. Um, yeah, the whole thing with the Warriors, though, it has to suck. I mean, they won. But they could have won more. They should have done oh, more. They yeah. had injuries. They had injuries, of course, and that freaking killed them. And I think because of that and because of KD wanting to leave, wanting to do his own thing, they didn't realize, you know, how good they have it. And I knew that would happen. They got sick of each other. They got sick of winning. And it just is like they got bored. And then they got hurt. And then now they're just like trying to fight themselves back into winning something. Now Draymond's hurt again. So it's just something that was there. It was it was there to win five in a row or five out of six. Yeah. You know what I mean? They had that dynasty, but now it's just kind of falling away. So we'll see. If Draymond comes back to you, they'll still be kind of scary. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I'm not I'm not saying the Warriors are a bad team or we should write them off yeah, in any way, shape, or form. I just think that Warriors Twitter fans uh or Warrior Twitter fans uh just they negate logic when you have a conversation with them because they instantly are like, yeah, well, we don't have Draymond. I'm like, exactly. We don't have Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Cameron Johnson. And, you know, we're, we're still playing well. And there's like, yeah, but you're playing bad teams. It's like, yeah, and you're playing bad teams. and You're losing yeah. too. Like, so what, wh- what's the point of this conversation? Anyways, I'm going to, I'm going to change it real quick. I just <laughs> want to do this drop. It's been a while. Before we get to our jam start of the game, I just want, you know, two for seven from the field for Aaron Holiday, five points, uh, one assist. I just really like this guy, man. Me too. I'm really enjoying his minutes. Again, he might not be better than Alfred Payton per se, uh, but he appears to be. And I think it's just such a great pickup. Yeah, he holds himself on the court, dude. He honestly, he's he's a guy that comes in right now where he's playing back a point guard. It's like, how are you, how well are you going to do to keep us still, keep that lead? Like, how are you going to do with the second team, with Torrey Craig, with with McGee? And he holds himself strong on the court. He really does. The stats aren't always there. It's just not there for him. But he maneuvers the offense. And my favorite part, too, in the fourth quarter to start, to start the fourth quarter, they slowed the offense down. They had that big lead. They made smart passes. And when Cameron Payne came back in, they took the game slow. And they didn't force anything crazy. They ran set plays. That was my favorite part of the game. I'm like, all right, I like this. Get some good shots. Don't force anything crazy. And that's what Aaron Holiday can do too. He can run that offense just like Cameron Payne, but he's like half the guy Cameron Payne is right now. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And again, it just it does nothing but bode well for this offense moving forward as we have yeah. 16 games to go until the regular season ends. Matthew, is there anything in your notes that we missed before we go to the um, start of the game? Let me see. Uh, let me look. Uh, the Heat. Oh, Lowry got destroyed on defense all game. Really bad fouls by him. Oh, that's I mean, a good point. We didn't talk older, about right? Kyle Lowry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got kind of blown up on a few uh, few plays and some bad fouls by him. Uh, kind of yelling at his own players for being out of... Uh, what's up? No, no, continue, continue. Oh, I was just saying, from being out of place. And uh, that's what I had from the Heat, really. And the Martin guy really went off, too. Uh, but that's about it. So speaking of Kyle Lowry, uh, I... He was a an honorable mention for the most punchable face in the <laughs> NBA. I forgot. I actually had him at number six when I, I was trying to get him in there, but Luca t- uh, kind of took his spot, if you will. He took his spot. Uh, but, 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 but I'll give the drop. God damn it. I don't know what it is about your face, but I want to deliver one of these right in your suck hole. And kudos, yeah, who, to, kudos to my mother who texted me after listening to the last pod. So thank you, mother, for listening. I truly appreciate you supporting your oldest boy. Uh, she's like, she's like Robert Ori. 
Oh yeah, I was like, that's a winner right there. Yeah. Winner, winner, winner. I'm like, that needs to be number one. Now, granted, like Matthew had the historical punchable faces of all time, and I did like active players. But you're right, like Robert Ori needs to be on that list. He should have been my number one, except for James Harden. That would have been perfect, right? Exactly. And, and Tyler Hero too. Coda Kid actually gave us a shout out on Twitter, like just saying, like, hey, punchable face, Tyler Hero, and that's <laughs> another one. Yeah, for sure. We could do a whole podcast on punchable faces. Maybe yes. we'll do that in the off season. So even my own face. <laughs> tune in, tune <laughs> in for that, Tim. Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, it's that time of the podcast where you let us know in the comments who your jam star of the game is. And while you're typing away, go ahead and hit that mm-hmm. like button because it helps with the algorithms and lets everybody know where the best post game pod on Planet Orange is. And that is right here at the Suns Jam Session Podcast. So, Matthew, I will allow you to go first. Who is your jam star of the game? Ooh, uh, DeAndre Ayton was fantastic tonight. He really was. When we get to Mikael Bridges, it's all around just a really great game by him. I just thought that uh, maybe what top 10 game this year, for sure, from Mikael Bridges. He stood out a lot, both ends of the court. Fantastic. I love Warden getting a lot of of love. DA, DA, Mm -hmm. Book. Uh, from the He's on Fire podcast. Shout out to Coach B. Go check them out. Fantastic job. And again, thank you, Coach B, for helping out yesterday while I was a working. Uh, Payne, Mikhail, Booker, uh, the steel horse that Booker rode in on. I love that. See <laughs> Buck- <laughs> yeah, Star. Go. I'm going with that one. The steel yeah. horse that Booker rode in on. He came. He didn't have to come and play for this team this evening. He could have stayed at home one more night, played a little bit more Call of Duty, hung out with his dog. But he said, no, I am flying all the way to Miami to come and play for this team. And ultimately, uh, in a game where, you know, DraftKings had the the uh, the Miami Heat as a negative 310 favorite and seven point mm-hmm. favorites. I mean, we, we beat him by 20. <laughs> I mean, so there you go. Booker <laughs> jams star of the game. Uh, next up for the Phoenix Suns, Raptors at home. I don't know if the Raptors mascot will be traveling with the team, <laughs> but if he does, obviously that will be a very interesting ordeal. Matthew, what are your thoughts on this game against the Toronto Raptors who currently carry the number seven seed in the East? Oh, can you give me like 10 more seconds while I research the Raptors? I'm just kidding. Okay. I actually haven't watched <laughs> I haven't watched a lot of them, of course. I know where they're at in the standings. And, of course, it's a tough situation for that franchise where they're at. Really, you know, is it a tank team? Is it they're rebuilding, right? It kind of in a way after a weird year last year. But the thing I'm looking forward to is the Raptors. You know there's going to be a lot of that. And I actually can't wait. I don't know if they're going to be traveling. And there's not a whole lot of Raptors fans out here. But there's going to be some. Or anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Anywhere. <laughs> you don't you don't know what you're gonna expect, but um there might be some kind of showing of a raptor tomorrow or Friday night. It'll be interesting to see what's going down there. Um well let's see. The Raptors a team 34 and 30. Uh I noticed this la- or I noted this last time we played them. They're a team that definitely hits the offensive boards. They're second in the league with 13.2 offensive rebounds a game. So although they are undersized. They're a team that definitely makes up for uh, their lack of size by uh, beating you with hustle, right? I mean, that's kind of a, a quality game plan if you're going to do so uh, in an effort to try to beat the opposition and beat them on the boards is to do so with hustle. Uh, it's a team that obviously the Phoenix Suns have played once earlier in the season, and they beat them 99-95. to That was the famous Raptor game where there was no fans in the crowd because Canada's weird. 
And, uh, you know, it's a team that's only won two games since the All-Star break. They're currently two and five since the All-Star break, trying to find their footing in a clusterfuck that is the Eastern Conference. So this game obviously is going to meet a ton to them. Every time you play the best team in the NBA, like the Phoenix Suns, it will be a monster game for the opposition. Uh, but I really think that you have a uh, another winnable game for the Phoenix Suns and uh, going for 54. 54 fucking wins, man. We're 53 fucking Crazy. wins. Crazy. Think about that. It's it's insane. And then pretty soon we're going to be like, oh, no, too many wins? Too soon? <laughs> <laughs> no, never. Never. No. Too soon? Okay. Good. <laughs> no. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think it's a win, don't you, Matthew? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, book's back. We're ready to roll, man. I can't, I'm so excited you stayed in the game a little bit longer to get those shots up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, I don't know what the Deuce Purnell. Sorry, John. I'm a big Suns fan. I ain't going to be paying for no sticker. Hmm. I must be missing stuff in the chat because I don't know what the hell that person's What's talking about. Sticker? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, is it the stickers they use in the chat? Like the little uh, big dick books, the uh, DeAndre Aiden. Aiden oh, maybe. Stickers? Oh, yeah. oh, no, they have the in the super chat. You can do stickers. OK, mm-hmm. I get I get you the deuce Purnell. You don't have to do that. But just know that anytime you do donate to the podcast, we put that into a little fund because we're going to have Matthew uh, try to go to a cam lemonade stand and buy a gallon of lemonade. And we need that with your donation. So we really, we really appreciate it. I need a lot of money, especially the one at the arena. They're charging like nine bucks a lemonade. Uh, No, yeah, no shit. And again, if you're interested, uh, we do have a bunch of merchandise on our Redbubble page. You literally just search Redbubble Suns Jam Session. Got a lot of really cool stuff there. So again, that helps support the podcast. Uh, We thank you, Jamsters, for joining us for this podcast. Any donations, any subscriptions, all that stuff that that helps a, a little bit. You know, hopefully you're a fan of all the work that we put in to make this happen and come and hang out with you. But that's what it's all about. And I was thinking about this today uh, before we get out of here again. Obviously, I, I took my new job about six months ago, right before the season started. And I've been on the road, as you guys know, uh, the loyal Jamsters know. I mean, here I am again in a hotel room in Reno. And during the most epic season of the in the history of the Phoenix Suns in 54 seasons, it's been a very weird time for me in my life because I've just been all over the place. And this truly is coming uh, coming and doing these podcasts, seeing you, Matthew, seeing you, Jamsters, seeing Coach Evan B and Flex and Suns Geek uh, and So Says Jay and Dervish of Whirl and all of our buddies uh, has really been the one thing that's like home for me. So it's been really fun doing this. Uh, I know that in theory, next week I'm home. Like I'm home. I'm done traveling. I'm getting ready to start opening my, my, uh, my property. I've learned a ton on the road, but Again, Jamsters, I appreciate you guys for being this home for me. And, and what a great year to have this happen, right? You know, yeah. you know how shitty it would be to be on the road for six months, coming on every night to do a podcast with you, Matthew, and the Suns were 13 and 53. <laughs> it would fucking be horrible. Well, they wouldn't be an hour long, I tell you that much, dude. <laughs> no, they, we'd be doing 25 minute yeah. podcasts, and I'd cry in my hotel room the rest of the time. We'd so. hand the keys over to someone else. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, on that note, Jamsters, again, make sure you subscribe, rate, review. You can follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida if you want to see some crazy shit. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. I'm Matthew Lucy. If you don't want to see some crazy shit, uh, <laughs> that's all I got for the pod. We'll see you on Friday night, and I'll be home for that one. <laughs> all right. We'll go home there. Come home and love, love me and my family. <laughs> and congratulations, nephew Hayden. You're a father. Yes. Congratulations. Oh my God, dude, I've even put in my notes last pod to say something. I freaking, yeah. 
little Lydia. In, or Indy. Yeah, Indy. Indy, excuse me, Lydia. Yeah. Little Indy Kate. Cut Katie, this part out from the pod, please. Don't listen to this part, Matthew. Go home and love your family. <laughs>